There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. Thank you for tuning into the Mage as well, your 101 guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Boo, witches, thanks for tuning in. We've all heard the iconic phrase, double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble in Shakespeare's Macbeth. And when we think of witches, we see them with potions, poisons and brews. So today, it's going to be all about the liquid mischief that one could come across within witchcraft. Also, Santa makes a cameo, but that's later on. The word potion comes from the Latin word potio, which means to drink. Potions are magical in their intent, and can have medicinal or poisonous effects, though in the past this line was sometimes blurred if the practitioner wasn't skilled enough. In 1753, William Withering unsuccessfully treated a woman who had heart complications. He sent her on her way, and that was that. A few weeks later, he learned that she'd made a full recovery. Upon asking her, she said she drank a witch's brew, and that was what her recovery came from. Withering tracked the witch down and asked her for a potion. When he looked into it, the potion had over 20 plants in it. Investigating each one, he discovered that Purple Foxglove was responsible for the woman's turnaround. And over 200 years later, components of this plant are still being used today for heart failure. It's interesting to note that 40% of our drugs today are derived from the natural world. In quick summation, experimentation with potions gave rise to alchemy, an early form of chemistry, and informed societies and institutions on how to administer and develop treatments, setting the stage for modern pharmaceuticals of today. Potions of every type thinkable have been created. Mythology and literature often reference a magical potion, for various results, from invisibility to beauty to transformation, even to the point where someone's size has been affected, as in Alice in Wonderland. And probably every ingredient that you can think of has been added to one. You don't have to delve deep to find mentions of strange ingredients added to a cauldron with sometimes disastrous and deadly intent. The ingredients used by the witches in Macbeth are eclectic to say the least. Eye of newt, toe of frog, wool of bat... There's a corona joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to make it. But each of these ingredients were like a sort of code word to hide the real ingredients to deter people from making them. Eye of newt is mustard seed, toe of frog is buttercup, and wool of bat is holly leaves. 
Within the passage, there's also reference to mummified remains, and this is actually legit. Egyptian mummies were often ground up and consumed for a variety of ailments. So that's not to say that animal parts weren't used. Ancient Greek and Roman magic saw the use of crushed beetles, feathers, animal claws, snake skins, and so on. And this was based on the idea that depending on what part of the animal you consumed, you would gain its power. So snake skin, for example, would be the one for transformation. Now, love potions commonly called for the use of animal parts, though this changes around the Middle Ages and they become more herbal based as people often fell ill from consuming them. And so popular were love potions in Greece that a common ingredient, ground up orchid, temporarily went extinct. A 15th century recipe collection by William Addiston, probably a London surgeon, contains a recipe to make women and men take off their clothes. And it goes, take grain with evil thistles which grow above the ditch and make from that a powder and put it in someone's lap. Immediately, he or she will take off his or her clothes. Direct and easy to follow. Thank you, William. Love potions also got their own name, called filters, and this comes from the Latin word which means beloved. In ancient Rome, love magic could be divided into two camps, to incite passion, called eros, or to incite friendship and fidelity, called philia. And the ancients weren't too shy about what they wanted. A spell from the Greek magical papare demands, remain in her heart and burn her guts, her breast, her liver her breath, her bones, her marrow, until she comes to me. Love potions dominated our ancestors' minds, and it's reflected in romantic epics, folklore, herbals, and legal records. Common ingredients include mandrake, which I spoke about last week. Human remains in the form of powdered bones, menstrual blood, and pubic hair was often added. It was particularly potent if these were sourced from you and your desired lover. Henbane was also added, a powerful narcotic that was said to bind lovers together, Honey was thought to sweeten the deal. Worms represented the earth and were seen as a symbol of fertility. The wings of a beetle called Spanish fly were apparently an incredibly effective aphrodisiac. As a side note, 32 milligrams will cause one kidney to shut down. Nothing says love like the gift of kidney failure. Today, casting love spells is seen as unethical and manipulative, with many practitioners calling for self-love spells to be cast instead. The University of Oxford is conducting interesting research. They are looking into creating pills to strengthen existing relationships and also ones to get people over their past loves and to forget them. Would you take one of these? The term brew and potion are used interchangeably. However, brews also cover consumables like soups, stews and beverages like tea or beer. Kirke used a brew when she mixed her herbs into the food and wine of the crew of Odysseus to transform them into pigs. Beer is one of the world's oldest beverages, with records of the Babylonians and the Sumerians brewing it. The act of making and brewing beer was seen as a magical and mystical process and was dominated by females till the 1700s. In Sumeria, these women doubled up as priestesses. Within Baltic and Salvat cultures, beer goddesses were worshipped. The Vikings only allowed women to brew the ale which they drank after their conquests, and mothers would often pass the recipes down to their daughters. The beer wasn't usually high in alcohol content as it is today, and many herbs were added to the mix. This was particularly prevalent in medieval Europe, and this herb mixture was called Groot, and it contained a blend of mugwort, yarrow, whorehound, heather, and other herbs. It's around 1400s that we begin to see a change in how production is managed, and it moves from the home or the abbey, the church was a big brewer of beer at the time, into a more commercial setting. As women can't own property during these times, 
they are still brewing from home. And it's around this time that we see the well-known archetype of the witch appearing. These female brewers had large cauldrons outside their homes, a broomstick over their door to mark themselves open for business, cats to chase away mice that would otherwise eat their grain, and tall-pointed hats to distinguish themselves at the marketplace. Sound familiar? <laughs> Challenged by their economic independence and botanical knowledge, propaganda was aimed at these women. The witch trials, commonly called the burning time start, and by the 1700s, female brewers are a thing of the past. Carrying on with this theme of intoxication, shamans in and around Siberia, particularly the Koryak shamans, would collect the urine of reindeer and drink it. They did this because the reindeers actively seek out the psychoactive mushroom, fly agaric, and eat it. And if anyone is curious how the urine was collected, I've got you covered, the shaman would strap a bucket to the reindeer's flank. Deputy editor of the pharmaceutical journal, Andrew Hayes, writes, Reindeers have the desire to experience altered states of consciousness. The compounds are still active in their urine and the toxic parts of the mushroom are filtered out. The shamans caught onto this and collected the urine and drank it. The hallucinogenic effect of the mushroom could be apparently recycled up to five times in this manner. According to my research, it's where we get the term getting pissed. Sorry to lower the tone there. It's also been suggested that the idea of Santa, or rather one of them, there's a lot of evidence that shows he comes from multiple sources, that he comes from these Koryak shamans in northeastern Siberia. The mushroom is red and white. You'll, you'll have seen it. It's the classic fairy tale mushroom and it features in Mario Kart. And it's often found under pine trees, which is responsible for pollinating the mushroom. Shamans would harvest the mushroom and dry it by placing it in a special bag in front of the fireplace. And then on or around the winter solstice, which is around the 21st of December, they would dress in red and white to represent the mushroom. And they'd wear bells as well to scare away bad spirits. They enter the yurt through a smoke hole that was intended as another point of entry, as the doors are usually snowed in at this point of the year. They then would enter the yurt through the smoke hole, and that is intended as another point of entry as, commonly around this year, the doors are snowed in. They would then climb down the supporting birch pole, bringing with him a bag of dried fly agaric to serve this and his psychoactive urine to the community. I mean, we've got the mushrooms, they're the gift into the tree. We've got them drying in bags over the fire, Christmas stockings. We've got the key date in December, the obvious red and white colour scheme, which bells play a role in, and we've got them coming down the chimney and giving gifts. I'm I'm on board with this theory, I'm getting behind it, and no one can tell me otherwise. Bar the sipping of urine, that looks a lot like Christmas to me. Mic drop. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas! Awake Organics create beautiful, cruelty-free skincare and cosmetics. I'm quite careful and fussy with what I put on my skin, but I recently tried their Sea Quartz Vegan Cleanser and I was blown away. It's a micro-polish, but it isn't created with plastic beads. It's ground quartz crystal. The crystals are hand-milled, washed and filtered by a Reiki master. Vivid green from the spirulina, it was fun to use, and with the essential oils of sweet orange and chamomile, it smelt so good I could have eaten it. My skin looked and felt incredible. Awake Organics uses plastic-free packaging and, where possible, sources their ingredients in the UK. And now they're offering 20% off with the code MAJORSWELL20, all uppercase. Once again, that's Awake Organics. Majors, my sugar pot spell. It's ready. We can lift off, and I want your cup to overrunneth. Sugar pot spells are traditionally used to sweeten your life and bring joy. And who doesn't want more of that? I mean, I do. 
Subscribe with the link in the description and you can be added. What are you waiting for? There's no time to lose. Apothecary's Garden not only sells high-grade resins, from dragon's blood to elmi, for all your ceremonial needs, but also perfumes, essential oils, and handmade cosmetics like the Babylonian beard wax and a frankincense rose serum. Their respiratory first aid balm has 20% off at the minute, and it contains locally harvested and sustainably sourced ingredients, such as eucalyptus and peppermint, as well as the resins of pine and spruce, which help break up phlegm and open the passageways. All this and more at apothecariesgarden.shop. And for you, my cherished listeners, they are offering 15% off with the code MAJORS15, all uppercase and the numbers 1 and 5. And once again, that is apothecariesgarden.shop. The word drafts also has magical connotations, and it tends to be liquid that comes from a barrel, like wine. And wine plays a huge role in magical and religious practices. Plants were believed to contaminate each other by mere proxy, so Greek vineyards used to grow hellbore near the grapes to infuse them with psychoactive properties. These wines were used only for sacred settings, as they were far more potent than the wine used at social gatherings. Wines in the ancient world were incredibly strong, as distillation wasn't discovered yet. Wine had to be diluted with 8 parts to 20 parts of water, else death or brain damage could occur. But this could also be attributed to the herbs used in the wine as well. The Greeks had developed their own system where the different combination of herbs could be used to create different states of mind within a ceremonial backdrop. The addition of resins into wine was a common practice and is still done today. A national Greek drink called Retsina includes wine and pine resin. Also, the term spirits as a classification for the type of alcohol has an interesting origin, and it's believed to have come from the Romans, who said that the spirit of Bacchus, the god of wine and debauchery, resided in every glass of wine poured, and when people got drunk, it was because his spirit took over their body. Then there's also an elixir. Now, elixirs, they allude to love potions, but they're far more powerful than that, there's links to alchemy here, and the most famous one is the elixir that creates the ability to turn metal into gold, the Philosopher's Stone. Today this word comes up often when selling cosmetics, and closely related to this we've got tonics, and tonics are to do with health and overall well-being. There's also an established practice of tea magic. Now tea magic is intersected with knowledge of herbalism and divination, where the leaves can be read after the tea has been finished. This is also called tassiography. There is a long history of this, but it really came into fashion during the Victorian era. There were various methods of reading and different interpretations. Special cups were created that had zodiac signs or the tower inside the cup. Now how this would work, for example, is if the leaf landed on, let's say, the fool, then the querent could look to the fool's meaning and apply it to their current situation. If you're not familiar with the tarot, the fool generally means treading without fear and divine protection vibes. And practitioners of this are sometimes called tea witches. Flying ointment was created by witches with various psychoactive substances, especially from the nightshade family, and cooked into fat. It was then rubbed onto the body to induce visions and feelings of flying. I don't want to talk about this too much because I've got an episode planned on it. Spoiler alert. And we're going to quickly move on to poisons. Now those skilled with healing abilities of herbs will no doubt know how to turn this skill into creating deadly poisons. One of the most controversial figures of the Greek classical world was Medea, described as a polypharmacon, 
which is translated creatively as enchantress, but it actually means skilled in many herbs. She wields them in the form of both potions and poisons. She appears in Jason and the Argonauts, and through the use of her knowledge of magic, spells, and herbs, helps Jason in his quest. Jason eventually leaves Medea for King Creon's daughter, Glace, to advance his station. But Medea does not take this lying down. She sends a poisoned robe and a crown as a gift to his new wife. She excitedly puts them on and dies in absolute excruciating pain, as does her father, King Creon, in trying to help her. As the final part of Medea's revenge against Jason, she slaughters their children and takes off in a dragon chariot. Medea is not somebody to be messed with, and she's definitely a Scorpio. Mithridates VI, king of Pontus from around 120 to 63 BCE, was one of the Roman Republic's most formidable enemies. Mithridates, worried about being such a rebel, went to extreme measures to protect himself from assassination by poison. A group of Scythian shamans called the Agare advised him to immune himself, so he started ingesting small amounts of various poisons on a regular basis. Now, according to legend and history, this semi-mythical account was a success, and this process became known as Mithridatism, and has been employed in other instances of immunization as well. According to Pliny the Elder, the concoction was an amalgamation of over 50 different additives, and allegedly all of the ingredients were ground into a powder, mixed with honey, and formed into almond-sized chewable tablets. The recipe was highly sought after, and the potion became known as Mithridatium, or Theriac, this ancient cure-all paved the way for modern drug regulations. Knockoffs were created and were harming people. In 1397 in Sicily, a key point of cultural exchange between the East and the West, King Martin II appointed his physician to head a committee to overlook all things medical, including the apothecaries creating Mithridatium. Fast forward to 1540, King Henry VIII permitted ministers to examine apothecaries and their ingredients, Fines could be issued for not following regulations or if the products or ingredients weren't up to a standard. Mary I expands on this and introduced higher fines and punishments. Cure-alls like Mithridatium fell out of fashion, but the protocols and standards it set did not, and they continued to shape the medical world long after they were gone, and still to this day. Carrying on with this thread of poison, within Sanskrit literature, there are references to poison maidens who were used to assassinate political rivals of the king. Young girls would be trained and raised on a diet from an early age that was a careful balance of poisons and antidotes. Upon reaching maturity, their bodily fluids would be deadly and they would kill their targets by seducing them. It's unknown whether these women actually existed, but they definitely set the stage for the femme fatale archetype to emerge. Finally, we have libations. Now, libations are essentially a deliberate act of waste, and it's removed from the ordinary because for something to be considered sacred, it has to function on the outskirts of normal. A libation is a sacred liquid offered to the divine as a way to honour them, usually by pouring it on the ground. Now in Greece, libations could be made of milk, honey, wine, water and olive oil to name a few. Other forms of alcohol are also a popular choice. It's been said that libations came about as a substitute for blood. Ancients carved special altars with sigils, symbols, and prayers that became activated once the libation touched them. Channels were carved into them to direct the liquid onto the floor, thus marking the offering as complete. And majors, that is this week's episode. 
you can find me on Instagram at the majors well and it's the same for Twitter come and say hi the email for the podcast is at themajorswell.com please get in touch with any questions stories or experiences that you want to share and they might get featured if you want to support the show I've left my patron link in the description and you can subscribe to my sugar pot spell the address is patreon.com forward slash the majors well if you wish to support the show but you're not able to tell your friends or leave a five-star review I've left a link in the episode description, and this really does help the show get found. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. I want to end this week's episode with a poem called The White Witch by James Weldon Johnson. And peace out, witches. I'll see you next Wednesday. Oh, brothers mine, take care, take care. The great white witch rides out tonight. Trust not your prowess nor your strength. Your only safety lies in flight. For in her glance there is a snare, and in her smile there is a blight. The great white witch you have not seen, then younger brother's mind forsooth. Like nursery children you have looked, for ancient hag and snaggle tooth. But no, not so, the witch appears, in all glowing charms of youth. Her lips are like carnations red, her face like newborn lilies fair, her eyes like ocean waters blue. She moves with subtle grace and air, and all about her head there floats the golden glory of her hair. But though she always thus appears, in form of youth, a mood of mirth, unnumbered centuries are hers, the infant planets saw her birth, the child of throbbing life is she, twin sister to the greedy earth. And back behind those smiling lips, and down within those laughing eyes, and underneath the soft caress of hand and voice and purring sighs, the shadow of a panther lurks, the spirit of a vampire lies. For I have seen the great white witch, and she has led me to her lair, and I have kissed her red, red lips, and cruel face so white and fair. Around me she has twinned her arms, and bound me with her yellow hair. I felt those red lips burn and sear, my body like a living coal, obeyed the power of those eyes, as the needle trembles to the pole, I did not care, although I felt the strength go ebbing from my soul. Oh, she has seen your strong young limbs, and heard your laughter loud and gay, and in your voices she has caught the echo of a far-off day, when man was closer to the earth, and she has marked you for her prey. She feels the old Antean strength in you, the great dynamic beat of primal passions, and she sees in you the last besieged retreat of love relentless, lusty, fierce, love pain ecstatic, cruel sweet. O oh, brothers mine, take care, take care, the great white witch rides out tonight. O oh, younger brothers mine, beware, look not upon her beauty bright, for in her glance there is a snare, and in her smile there is a blight. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.